Hello and welcome once again to the Celtic View podcast. My name is Martin DL and this week I'm joined by Celtic View editor Paul Cuddy. Nice to be here, Martin. Right, thanks for coming along, Paul. Uh, now, this week, of course, is the Celtic View's 51st birthday. We've had a lot of lovely messages to, uh, to our Twitter account this week, but it's also been a busy week for the Celtic View as well with a lot of interviews. If you've not had a chance to look at this week's magazine, it's uh, packed with exclusive interviews with manager Brendan Rogers, with Scott Sinclair, Lee Griffiths talks us as well, and Stephanie Hansen speaks to us after last week's game against OC Astana at Celtic Park in a busy tunnel area. Uh, at Paradise. Uh, Paul, it has been a busy week for the team as well. Uh, domestic action is fully underway with games in the League Cup and in the League. What have you made with the boys at the start of the season so far? It's been very impressive, Martin. Um, obviously, the toughest of, of away games to start. Unusual for the champions to be at Tynecastle, but uh, I thought we performed really well. It's always a great place to go and win, um, partly because they're not their biggest fans, you know. But it makes, I think, for the game, it always gives it a wee bit of an edge. We actually have a fantastic record against Hearts. You know, I think the last 16 games we've won 14 and drawn two. It was brilliant to win. It was brilliant to see our new signing coming on and making an instant impact. And, that, you know, for him, that's, you know, it's no more that you could ask for him. I mean, I think you can tell from speaking to him that he's maybe not had the best time in the last two or three years. And he's just desperate to get back to enjoy football. And he equates that with playing under Brendan Rodgers. Mm-hmm. And again, he's followed that up with a, a, a spectacular performance and what was a really good team performance against Motherwell to, to beat them in the League Cup. Again, it's a game that maybe previously, when the stadium's not full, it could have been a bit tricky. Mm-hmm. But I thought the team performed well and you know it's really encouraging signs. It'd be brilliant to see the, the team play so well so early in the, the domestic season. But do you feel it's odd for us to now only now be starting our domestic matches when we've already played something like 10 or 11 games and it really feels as if you know this new era has been going on for quite some time I mean it's strange because the, the players report back at the end of June I mean I think kind of you staff almost feel like they get a bit battle fatigue because we've <laughs> been going for so long and, and effectively I don't think people maybe quite realise because we do the match programme as well effectively we've been producing the equivalent of four magazines per week for mm-hmm. the last three weeks which is quite a heavy workload um, but that's just part and parcel of what we do and um, it's always a busy time of the year it, it's good to get the league campaign underway all the competitive games you know, I'm sure the players prefer that as well mm-hmm. you know we've got a, a big couple of weeks coming up in, in terms of our, how our season's going to pan out but certainly you know when you're talking to fans and talking to friends and family who have been at the games they're just there's a real positivity uh, about the team and about the manager and how things are going and also I think the signings he's made have been so encouraging that you know people are really thinking there's good things happening here this season. Yeah there's definitely an, an, era, an air of positivity around the club just now, a couple of the players have touched on that as well in some of the interviews. Um, the first interview that we're going to look at this week um, is looking ahead to the game against Hapoel Beersheba in the Champions League playoff. Now, traditionally this podcast is reserved for the interviews that you get in the Celtic View, but we're giving you a sneak peek this week uh, into Nir Baton's exclusive interview in the Matchday programme. Now, that's going to be available for you on the day of the game. That's Wednesday against Hapoel Beersheba at Celtic Park in the Champions League playoff. And here, I sat down, myself, Martin DL, I sat down with Nir Baton at Lennox Town after the draw was made and had a chat with the Israeli midfielder about how he felt about facing a team for his from his homeland and the prospect 
of getting to the Champions League group stages at their expense. What can you tell us about Beersheva as a, a side in particular? Uh, I think they have, a, they have a few players that we need to be careful of. Um, they have a good uh, midfielders, good attackers. Um, they play, they play football. They mm -hmm. want to play football. Um, I think it's you know again, it depends on the um, result they will get here in Glasgow. Then the home game for them it's uh, something that they're looking for. Uh, they never play in this uh, stage before. No. Yeah, never. Um, nobody in Israel believe that they're gonna pass. They're gonna through Olympiacos, so it's it's a big shock. Uh, again, you know, I read uh, the press in Israel now, and um, they're quite sure in the confident. Yeah, they are confident now after the beat Olympiacos, and uh, we need to be prepared for that. They're not. Uh, they're a good side, and we need to be ready. What are the things that Celtic are going to have to deal with when they go over there? How long is the flight? What's the temperature going to be like? What will the home fans be like? Um, I never had direct flight from Glasgow to Tel Aviv, but uh, it's going to be something like five hours. Right. The time difference is two hours ahead in Israel. Um, ahead or behind? Ahead. Ahead, right. Um, it's going to be warm, mm -hmm. for sure. It's going to be 33, 34 degrees. Wow. Um, yeah, and we need to deal with that, you know. It's not like it's gonna it's not gonna be easy, but first of all, uh, we have own game. We need to make sure that we have a good result uh, here in Glasgow, and we'll see. How important is that home game? I mean, does it change your perspective being drawn at home rather than away first? Is there a lot of pressure there? Um, yeah, I think when you play the second leg at home, you have advantage. Mm -hmm. Then you can go first leg. Um, playing for result or something and uh, uh, it's give you advantage but you know for us we need to make sure that we need to get a good result here at home uh, with our fans 60,000 uh, full house and um, hopefully we'll do it very important to try to not concede the like the goals that we, we did in last year's playoff stages to Malmo yeah I think uh, a lot of people talking about the second leg away to Malmo. But I think that the game that killed us is the, the home game. Mm -hmm. We played so good first half, um, then we were a little bit sloppy. The, start the beginning of the second half, mm -hmm. we conceded the first goal, then we scored the third goal, 3-1 is a good result. Yeah, but then we conceded the second goal, 95 minutes, and to go for away game, we away goals it's a little bit difficult um, we need to make sure that we we're not conceded this year uh, we need to make sure that we keep the clean sheet home and we need to make sure that we win the game this is a Celtic View podcast this is the Celtic View podcast this is the Celtic View podcast that was Nir Beton talking about the prospect of facing his fellow countrymen that interviews in the match programme. Remember, you can also pick up the double deal of the game, which means you get the Celtic view and the Celtic match programme. And now here's Stefan Johansson talking to Martin, also about our Champions League prospects. The manager I come in and did a brilliant job with the, 
it's always difficult, you know, when you need to go this early in the qualification and you don't have a lot of time to get much fitness, but we have done a really good job and uh, I think we, we look strong now and uh, we, as I say, the confidence is high in the group now, so we will go in, into the playoff with uh, with a strong belief that we can reach the group stage. Where's that confidence coming from? Is it coming from, say, like results like this and the turnaround over uh, Lincoln? Yeah, it is. It is. So uh, you know, you can say, but also in the it's friendlies, but also in the friendlies we have shown character to to get back. Uh, so uh, yeah, you know, it's um, like Leicester at home. You know, even it's the champions of, of Premier League. So mm -hmm. still, it's a friendly, but it shows character in the team. And, uh, uh, of course, very happy for Musa to get his first goal for the club. So uh, he will. Uh, I hope the goals will, will keep coming for him. He showed incredible bravery to take that spot kick. I mean, 90 minutes, the pot, the tie, poised at 2-2. What have you learnt about him so far from the early kind of weeks of being with him? No, I think the manager brought in good signings mm -hmm. like him. And, you know, Colo. Great guy, good, good to have in the group. Came in today, did really well. Mm -hmm. uh, you have Owen, who didn't play that much last year, and and uh, he was outstanding after tonight. So you mm -hmm. just see that uh, it's it's confidence, uh, even even from the bench as well. So uh, yeah, I think we have a strong team, and uh, I believe we can reach the group stage. Stefan Johansson there speaking to the Celtic View in the tunnel outside the first team dressing room at Celtic Park after last week's dramatic 2-1 win over FC Astana in the second leg of the UEFA Champions League third round qualifier. Of course, Paul, that result propelled us into the playoff stages where we are once again and this time we're going to be facing Hapoel Beersheba of Israel as Nir Baton touched on in the first interview and uh, that match is coming up on Wednesday. How are you feeling about that ahead of the game? I'm absolutely petrified. Maybe not petrified. I'm I'm nervous about it because, obviously, we're so close now to the group stages, and because of what happened the previous two years when we had the disappointment against Maribor, and also last season against Malmo. Both of those ties, I think everybody felt we could have and should have won. You know, the Maribor game, we were about twelve minutes away from going through. Malmo again, we almost self-destructed here. So. It's so we're so close and the signs are so positive for the way the team's going. But you know, as as near Beton, I think he's confident. I think he's he's probably more confident because uh, as he mentions the way that the the Israeli press are trying to build up yeah. Beer and I think on the back of their good result. So obviously there's confidence in both camps, but you know, the signs are good. Brendan Rogers uh, has got that team playing well already. But it's it's absolutely vital that particularly at Celtic Park we get a good result. I mean, ideally, if you, you would like to get the tie finished after the first leg, but if you just look at their results, they they seem to be a very stuffy team. Mm. You know, Neil Beton has said that they've not got any individuals, but they're a good team and they've got the the nucleus of a team that's come through and and started to emerge in the last few years. And I've noticed that the I think both of their previous rounds they've managed to get goalless draws away from home, so they're obviously a very stuffy team, but. You know, we saw against Motherwell in the League Cup, they had everyone behind the ball, but our pace and the, the way we're moving managed to break that down. There's goals in our team, so I'm sure on the night everybody will be very anxious. But you know, it's important. You know, I think the manager had mentioned at the Astana game, just trust the players, yeah. and and they'll deliver. Do you think that's one of the main changes, uh, one of the main differences for the team this year? Really, that ability to kind of recycle the ball a little bit better and 
play with that patience but also play with that variety in terms of their, their approach that changing the pace of the game and uh, going down the flanks as well as through the middle I mean I guess I suppose the manager will look at previous games we've played and, and a lot of teams their natural inclination particularly at Celtic Park is just to get everyone behind the ball mm-hmm. as quickly as possible and the best way to negate that is, is for us to move the ball even quicker so that they do have players out of position it's something that will come over time you know again mentioning that Motherwell game that's a good practice in terms of those sort of teams that are going to play they're going to try and deny his space and you know you see the likes of James Forrest creating some space Scott Sinclair's pace was incredible we were playing without Lee Griffiths who will always get his goals Moussa Dembele's got a couple of goals so his confidence will build mm-hmm. we don't know if yet if Patrick Roberts will come back into it so I think the manager has got plenty of options and you know he'll want to, to win the game but try and keep a clean sheet as well because you know, obviously, I'm saying I'm nervous for the first leg. I'm, I'm guessing you know we'll all be nervous when yes. the following when we yeah. head to Israel. I mean, I've never been. We've been some some faraway trips in my time at the club so far, but Israel is is definitely out there in terms of how far I've been away from Celtic Park. But Beaton kind of touches it in on on it in his interview in the for the program about you know the soaring temperatures that we can expect to encounter. You know, I really partisan home crowd uh, going against Celtic really but these are things that we've experienced before I was going to say how much do you think having the home tie first could actually be a bonus for us you know to just really take this tie head on get 60,000 people into Celtic Park to back the boys and Brendan Rodgers so that when they do go over to Israel they have a positive result behind them I mean I think everybody would rather the second leg was at Celtic Park because then you have a full house you know exactly what you have to do and it's a winner-take-all game. Mm-hmm. We, like, we're not in that position, so we just we, we just have to accept that. And, and I, as I say, ideally, you want to get a really good result in the first leg and it makes it so difficult for Beersheba to, to get through. But whatever lead, hopefully, we take over there, it's just something we have to defend. What I feel with the, the team that Brendan Rodgers is already building is that there's goals even away from home. And because of the pace in the squad now, you know, especially if we have to soak up pressure on the counter-attack. We saw the goal, Scott Sinclair's goal was a perfect example of that at Tynecastle. He started that move in his own 18-yard box and he belted down that pitch. He was there in the six-yard box, but also the pace of Lee Griffiths down the left. So we can hit teams and what you want is to take a lead and so they have to come at us and then we just hopefully pick them off. And the managers also kind of cultivated a team with guys like say Scott Sinclair and Moussa Dembele, new faces to Celtic, but people who obviously want to play for him and feel comfortable under it, under him. And then you've also got the other aspect of the Celtic players who have been striving to get to the Champions League for the past sort of three years. Uh, they want to get back there. I think that kind of, we could be getting the, the perfect storm almost just now where you have these new faces who want to impress and feel good under their boss and these uh, current Celtic stars who want to achieve what they've done before. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, guys who have, have experienced the group stages, that's where they want to be. And part of the reason people come to Celtic is, is for the prospect of that. They've either watched games on TV in the group stages here, they've heard about it or they've been here as a spectator, so they want to experience that. So you're right, there's an incentive for every player, just as, as much as all the fans desire it as well. And obviously near Beton, he has his own reasons mm-hmm. for, for wanting to win. And Because and, I wondered that whether, whether you thought when you're talking to him that it... You know, there's more, not pressure, but more of a, an incentive on him because he wants to get back home and show 
that he's at a better club and he's a better player for playing for Celtic and, and regardless of the fact that he's his fellow countryman he wants to get one over on them yeah I imagine you know you tend to think footballers have this innate competitive spirit within them and I asked him that you know when I was speaking to him at Lennox Town there was no clash of loyalty there at all the fact that he was going to be going home and playing in front of his own crowd and his own people but uh, he wants to go there and make a statement with Celtic so just hope that in this home leg uh, coming up on Wednesday that he has the opportunity to do that with a good result behind him you know, rather than having to go over there and sort of be already going against the grain he also hoped that the team will have learned from the mistakes of the previous years. Again, he mentions it in the interview, the kind of sloppy goals that were conceded at home. As you said, we're 12, 11 minutes away from getting to the group stages the, the year before that against Maribor. So since we fine lines and hopefully we can go over to Israel two weeks' time with the right result in the bag. And I suppose the other the other point, from the, the, we've talked about Scott Sinclair and Moussa Dembele, but... It may be this is the, the two ties that uh, Colo Touri's experience comes to the fore because, I mean, he has he has done it all for club and country. So these are the games where you're maybe looking for him to kind of talk everybody else through and say, look, this is what we're doing. You know, he's the guy that's going to sit at the heart of our defence and hopefully help us through. Uh, yeah, it's not even as if that experience is like from back in back in the past with different clubs. It was really as recent uh, as earlier on this year tail end of last season he was winning man of the match in the uh, UEFA Cup final so he's, he's got the pedigree he's got that skill um, and the experience to be able to talk some of Celtic's younger players through this and you never know you know what the actual lineup is going to be come the game next week but if guys like Svechenko and Boyata aren't back from uh, their kind of sidelines it may be on Guys like Owen O'Connell to, to shoulder yeah. that responsibility for Celtic and a guy like Colo Touri could be invaluable there to help bring someone like that through the game. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I have to be honest, talking about the, the playoffs, it hasn't calmed my nerves. I still feel nervous <laughs> about it because you know, we are within touching distance and you just think of who could be coming here or where we could be going this season. So um, In a way, it almost makes it worse. Uh, building the nerves. But We're allowed to be nervous. I think you know the players, the manager will make sure that they are Relaxed, they're focused, not not laid back, but they are absolutely focused on what they have to do, and that's they're the, they're the important ones. Yep, I think there's a quiet confidence in the squad just now as well that isn't based on nostalgia or the the concept of Celtic as a big club. It's based on the way the team feels just now under Brendan Rodgers, the mentality that he's starting to build, and you know that ability to fight back and come back from conceding goals, and also just play with that patience that we saw against Motherwell but still cut teams open even if they're playing with five at the back so fingers crossed if Hapoel come thinking that they're just going to shut up shop and try and get a result to take back home um, our recent games should show that we could potentially break them down uh, if as long as the fans can stay on side with that as well because it could be one of those nights where you're waiting 60, 70 maybe even 75 minutes for that real clear-cut chance, um, but that could be the one that we need to put the tie in our favour. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. This week's Celtic View is out now and features exclusive interviews with Brendan Rodgers, Lee Griffiths, Scott Sinclair and Stefan Johansson. 
there's a chance to win tickets to our vital UEFA Champions League playoff against Hapoel Beersheba. And Nia Beaton gives us his assessment of the Israeli side. This week, former Celt Mark Birchill answers fans' questions. Stuart Armstrong tells us his favourite things about staying at home or going away. And there's a great story of two Celtic fans who scaled one of Europe's highest mountains, all for charity. There's all this and much more in this week's Celtic View. Pick up your copy in-store or download the digital version now. Joe Thompson is one of a number of young Celts who have headed out on loan recently in order to garner first-team football. The midfielder has joined Championship side Dumbarton on a six-month deal and I caught up with the 19-year-old at Lennox Town recently in order to hear his ambitions for heading out on loan. Obviously, into the initial days of your loan move, just tell us how you feel it's going so far and why you decided to head away. Um, obviously, I needed to kind of play first team football with the um, kind of. I felt as if I was at that stage week in week out. I mean, it, uh, we went through the whole season undefeated last year. Um, obviously, I could have still played under twenties. I was still eligible, but um, felt as if I needed more of a challenge. Um, and obviously, the Barton were keen to take me. Um, obviously, I've been there. Trip did train on Thursday night and played on Saturday and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Why Dumbarton? Why did you choose them? Um, well, obviously the manager uh, kind of guaranteed um, me to play kind of most weeks. Um, obviously permitting if I played well, so mm. um, obviously that's a key factor. Obviously you don't want to be kind of a young player and going out on loan and mm-hmm. kind of uh, not playing, kind of stagnating. So it was all about kind of going there and playing, and um, I've really enjoyed it so far. And obviously the manager and. The staff and the boys there are all uh, really kind of help me fit in and um, make me feel at home. A rapid start to, with, with the Dunfermline match, a seven-goal thriller. How did you enjoy being part of that? Obviously, didn't get the, something out of the game, but what did you make of it? Um, yeah, no, it was brilliant. Obviously, they had a, a big crowd there, almost five thousand, I believe, but um, because we get the champions flag, mm-hmm. so it was a great experience, obviously for me. But um, obviously, came away disappointed not to kind of get anything for the game because at first team level so that's the kind of main priority um, to get things from games so but no as I said great experience obviously a good game but as I said disappointed not to get anything from it How did you feel you acquitted yourself in your yeah, I thought I, did, thought I did well obviously there was things um, that you learn and improve obviously playing at a, a high level um, that you can, uh, can get away with at under 20s level so um, obviously I'll get another game this weekend and hopefully I've done enough to start and can take um, take into account what I've done and uh, do what I did well again and then also look to improve the things that um, maybe I didn't do so well. It's obviously different as well for you. You're going from a team like Celtic, unbeaten the whole last season in the league, expected to win every week to Dumbarton, who are probably main objective staying up this season. So that's going to be a different experience for you as well, to have that different mindset going into matches. No, definitely. But um, as I said, all the boys like, are good players there as well. So, I mean, I'm confident that we can definitely uh, do as you said, stay up, um, because I've seen enough, obviously, in the short time that I've been there, um, and there's a good togetherness about the squad, I mean, so yeah, I'm really confident about the season going forward, and I don't think that um, we'll have too many troubles, hopefully we can stay up, I said. And what have you made, your teammates given you a nice welcome so far? Um, yeah, no, everybody's been brilliant, kind of uh, settled in well, um, nice lads, um, made me feel dead welcome right from the, the get-go. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're still going to be training here at certain points in the week, is that right? Yeah, I mean, I'll only go kind of on a, maybe a Tuesday or Thursday night, Tuesday and Thursday nights to uh, training or at Dumbarton, so I'll still be here kind of throughout the day, um, 
prop every day. Um, so it's also still good to have the, the facilities here to use and obviously training wise, still training with Celtic as well. When you go away as well, I guess you're always thinking about your future at Celtic as well and you'll see this as a real important stepping stone for you mm-hmm. to hopefully ultimately making the first team here. Yeah, obviously I'm looking to kind of um, bridge a gap from also myself to Celtic's first team in the long term but um, obviously focus is on playing week in, week out for Dumbarton just now and uh, try to get better as myself and obviously um, help Dumbarton kind of stay up and um, do as well as we possibly can this season. Joe Thompson speaking about how he hopes his loan move to Dumbarton will accelerate his progression at Celtic. So Martin, uh, what did you make of what Joe had to say? Uh, It's really interesting to hear from Joe at this point in his career, Mark, because obviously... He's come through the youth ranks at Celtic, um, a real promising talent at the club, but he's got to that age now where getting first-team football is absolutely crucial to his development. But it certainly sounds as if he's aware of that, he's ready for the challenge. Um, He's obviously recently signed a new deal at Celtic, which keeps him here, so he's got that security blanket as well. But going out on loan to a championship team, you know, who who are going to be playing some difficult matches, be a real, real challenge for him. But I think it's one that Joe will thrive in. Certainly shown us at Celtic that he's got the skills to do it, and now will be a test of his attitude as well. And it'll be a different mentality that he will have to employ in that in that league as well. Martin, obviously playing for Dumbarton who are obviously their ultimate aim is to stay up in that division, mm-hmm. whereas at the Celtic development side, every week you're expected to win. Um, so going into games, that he's going to get that new experience of having to really fight for three points every week and some weeks have to accept defeat. And you know that's all important when you're trying to nurture your, your talent and nurture that mental side of the game as you develop as a footballer. Definitely, and I think the, you know, the winning mentality is something that, the Celtic Youth Academy try to sort of infuse into the players from a young age but not in a way that kind of hampers their progress or hampers their development so Joe definitely has that competitive edge and you and I have seen him play so many games you know he's a combative midfielder as well the thing for Joe now is that when he plays these SPFL development games or if he plays for the Celtic under-20s or whatever level he has always been a real star of the team not through his personality or anything, but just through his skill. He's a really good midfielder and he scored some cracking goals. But as you say, he's now going to have to adapt his game to try and focus on getting the points. And it won't well be the type of games where you know he might not be able to bomb forward and be that kind of dynamic uh, player uh, that we've seen him. And again, that's not going to be a bad thing for him. He will learn lots of different aspects of the game and, he'll be, as you say, he'll be clashing with guys who played in the professional leagues of Scotland for a long time. So really good for him. And it's it's really good to see someone like him and, uh, say, Aidan Nesbitt, you know, being spoken to by the manager here, Brendan Rodgers, and saying, listen, go out and, and get some games. It's an important time for you. We'll see how it goes. And the timing is right. You know, this is a, a player who's been an integral part of the development side for the past couple of seasons, a mainstay of the team. He's won everything at that level, achieved all he can, really. And it's important now at that age, you know, he's at 19 years old, that he goes out and gets that first-team experience because there is no substitute for it. And, you know, having spoken to some of the other younger players who have been out and loan, you know, no matter how much game time you get, it's just an invaluable experience and nothing can really... Uh, you know, there's, there's no substitute for it as I said 
and um, you know he'll learn so much going out there and I can tell he's really excited about it it's a, it's a fresh challenge for him and he's just raring to go yeah I mean he, he taste, tasted first team football with Celtic obviously got his debut last season uh, in a way match against Dundee United came on the kind of closing stages of that and held his own against uh, you know I think we won 3-1 eventually in the day but Dundee United put up a decent fight uh, so he has tasted that but it's different from what he's going to be experiencing now being in the first team squad for Celtic now and again and getting first team training is brilliant, but to now compete for a guaranteed place every week and, you know, people who are playing for their jobs and playing for their livelihoods and playing for survival in a league gives them a totally fresh perspective of football. Um, and as you say, Mark, very important for him at this age. The other aspect of it is it's, it's, it frees up a space within the development squad as well and it's the the club are really keen to if you're talented enough you know it's it's nothing to do to do with your age it doesn't matter your age you can get put forward into the the development squad or into the first team and we've seen that with guys like Mikey Johnson you know he's only sixteen but he's coming on and scoring goals against Albion Rovers and stuff like that so Joe's move out on loan frees up that space. But he also has the opportunity to come back to his train at Lennox Town, which is great. And it was really important to have that link uh, with the sports science and the first team staff here who can continue to mould him into a Celtic player. As you say, so really the best of both worlds. It works well for both Celtic and the player. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, it really works out for Joe and obviously the other younger players trying to come through at Celtic as well, Martin. And, it's really interesting as well in the past couple of seasons now we're really seeing more and more young players going out and loan and it's great that you know, there's going to be so many playing at high level in the championship. You already mentioned Aidan Nesbitt, mm-hmm. Jamie Lindsay, another one who's also joined Aidan at Morton. Um, so it's going to be interesting actually. Paul McMullen's out as well at Dunfermline yep. and he came up against Joe in that first game of the season, that 4-3 thriller. Yep. So quite a surreal experience I would imagine for Joe to be coming up against Paul Aidan and Jamie his club teammates on a competitive basis but that's fantastic for them to be playing at that level you know in the championship so competitive the likes of Hibs Dundee United mm-hmm. Falkirk um, all in that league too so yeah. that, that's going to be really great for them it's brilliant for his development and it's a, it's a mark actually of how well the I think the youth academy is doing at the club I mean you and I, in our sort of privileged positions as reporters for the Celtic View, have managed to kind of watch these guys progress. You know, Jamie Lindsay's and Paul McMullen and everything like that through the academy, going from under-17 level all the way through to development squad. And you've seen them star for Celtic in Europe and everything like that. So to now see a full clutch of these players and former players, like say like Joe Chalmers and everything playing at Motherwell, um, sort of peppered throughout the league shows you the quality really that's coming through at Celtic now of course not everyone can make it to the first team uh, but I think there is a real sense now with guys like Kieran Tierney and Callum McGregor who have say K- KT didn't go out on loan but look at Callum McGregor came up through the academy went out on loan and came back and won his place in the Celtic team there is proof that that is that is a, a viable path for these players to go on, and I'm sure the likes of Joe, Jamie, Paul, Aiden, they will all be looking at the the kind of the example set by guys like Callum McGregor and thinking that's what I want to do as well. Yeah, and uh, six Celtic Youth Academy players finished uh, the match against Motherwell uh, a couple of days ago on Wednesday night in the cup. So that shows as well, you know, that there are players 
you know, breaking through into this team, you know, no matter what other people in Scottish football might be saying. Yeah. You know, the Celtic Youth Academy is, you know, working well. There's players coming through, there's players breaking into the team, there's players that are uh, cementing their position in the Celtic first team. And, uh, you know, I think it all goes well for these other players going out and loan and getting that experience. And, you know, hopefully they can go out there uh, gain that exposure to first team football, come back and, and they can press for a, a place in the Celtic first team as well. But I think, Martin, every Celtic fan will be keeping a close eye on these lone boys as well as the, the players here at Celtic trying to break through uh, here too. Yeah, definitely. It is an exciting time for the academy because you've got, as you say, the likes of Joe and Jamie and everything on loan. Um, and then those six players who finished the game against Motherwell, that 5-0 victory, uh, there was three academy players started the game, then three came on as substitutes. So it's not as if they were just being handed, you know, ten minutes here and there. And one of them is Owen O'Connell, a guy who's been here for a long time as well, and who has really proven that going out on loan and getting that first team experience does it proves crucial at a time when, say, like the start of the season, when the manager has had to call on him to come into the centre of defence. You know, it's not like a it's a vital role. Every position is vital, but the centre of defence and playing European ties away from home. So the club is cultivating the right type of young player and Brendan Rodgers is allowing them to come through into the first team. Hello, I'm Paul Cuddy, editor of the Celtic View. And for this section of the podcast entitled Celtic, Celtic, that's a team for me. I'm delighted to be joined this time by the Celtic FC Foundation Chief Executive Tony Hamilton. Tony, thanks for joining us on the Celtic View podcast. Thanks, Paul. And my first question is always to my guests, what is your earliest Celtic memory? My earliest Celtic memory is coming here for the very first time, my brother Michael, and it was uh, in 1975. Uh, I was only eight at the time and he was much, much older and he brought me to a Hibernian game which was abandoned. Uh, we were getting beat from memory and it was abandoned. I think there was fog and him and I ended up in the park that day uh, and I knew that we would end up in the park but sadly no as players but we would uh, both end up in the park and that's my, my earliest memory and it was just... Uh, he kind of stopped going and then by the time the 70s ended I was getting towards being a teenager and I was allowed to come on my own but uh, I'll, I'll always remember that day And then those early years of being a Celtic supporter who would have been your Celtic hero? I think uh, Kenny Dalglish was a, a massive hero so it was I think it was this week actually uh, August uh, 1977 so 39 years ago that he left and there was loads of wee guys like me at Christmas time that get Liverpool strips for their Christmas and I was really, really devastated. But uh, I got to know Kenny really well. I worked with him here, obviously, when he was back as manager and I'm making an inverted comma sign with my fingers at the moment. <laughs> uh, but I DJed for him. He had a wee pub in Chelsea that I DJed in and I was the DJ at his testimonial. He had a big sort of benefit dinner in Glasgow in 1986. Uh, and I still keep in touch with him. He's he's just he's got a great sense of humour and he's uh, he's just a, a you know a remarkable figure. Now you're obviously lucky enough to see Kenny playing for Celtic and then obviously wanting great things at Liverpool as well. But if you had a chance to go back in time to to see any specific Celtic player in the prime, who would it be? I think I'm struggling to pick one. To be honest, when we made the film about the uh, the history of the the football club, uh, those who knew. Those who knew the game, a lot of them were saying Jimmy Johnston, who the fans voted as the greatest ever player, but a lot of football people said Bobby Murdoch. Uh, so I'd love to have seen him in action. I think 
you know, the sort of folklore type people, Charlie Tully, Malky McDonald, uh, Jimmy McGrory, uh, would all have been great to see Patsy Gallagher as well, but I suppose Bobby Murdoch, who was the sort of guy that held that whole team together, I would have loved to have seen him. Now, this is a question, that, and for somebody who's been to so many Celtic games, you've hardly missed any games in all the time I've known you, do you have a, a particular game that's your favourite? I think uh, in terms of you know the commentary, which I did for 10 years or so, the, the, the standout was the Seville run, you know, going to Stuttgart and winning in uh, Porto against Boa Vista. As a paying punter, I think the 27th of September 1989 when we played Partizan Belgrade stands out for me and a lot of people. It was just... Uh, had made a real impression on me actually and I know it was glorious failure at the time but Darius Jakinowski he scored those goals and, and no go through uh, and three months to the day uh, after that the 27th of December 1989 number three was born and I called him Anthony Darius and he's still not really talking to me about it <laughs> and finally um, is there a much maligned or even an underappreciated player in your view that you'd like to mount a defence of? I think uh, there are a lot of players who are maligned. We've got a few at the moment. I think you know, Effie gets you get some bad uh, stick, and I don't think he deserves. I don't think he deserves half of it. He's an honest professional. There's a few players who have underachieved. If you like, uh, people like Paul Byrne for me and Liam Brady's team, and briefly at Tommy's team, uh, never really fulfilled their potential. And Paddy McCourt for me never really fulfilled his potential either. I always thought that he would be a, 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 a big, big star for Celtic and it was I was actually quite sad when it never worked out for him. That's great, Tony. Thanks very much for joining us on the Celtic View Podcast. Thank you. This is a Celtic View Podcast. You're listening to the Celtic View Podcast. This is the Celtic View Podcast. This is the Celtic View Podcast. <laughs> So there you are folks, that wraps us up for another week of the Celtic View podcast. Thank you very much for downloading or streaming or whatever you're listening to this, we really appreciate it. It is a new endeavour for us and we're always looking for feedback, so if you do want to get in touch with us and tell us your thoughts on the podcast, or if you want to check up anything that we're doing in the Celtic View, just follow us on Twitter, that's at Celtic View, and that's the official account of the official club magazine. Now, as I say, I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. We've given you a snippet of the interviews that we've done for the magazine this week and also for the official match programme coming up on Wednesday's game against Hapoel Beersheba in the Champions League playoff. Now, that's the first leg of that tie, and if you want to be at that match, well, we've got an opportunity for you to do that. All you have to do is pick up the Celtic View for this week. Don't forget you can download it as well. And there's an opportunity within the magazine this week to win tickets to the game. Be a really important match for Celtic. And if Paradise can be full, I'm sure that can help the boys get to the victory they really want for that game. So until next week, or until the next time, thanks very much for listening and hail hail. Hail hail.